and welcome back to Out of Curiosity. This is our podcast where we're seeking biblical clarity for modern questions. I'm Nick. And I'm Garland. And we are joined today with the illustrious Steve <laughs> Graves. Wow. What 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 actually gets the word illustrious? When do you get to when do you get to have that word attached to you? Uh, I, I don't know if Steve would be the one to say it's illustrious. <laughs> Dude, you need to recheck your modifier. It's actually wrong modifier, I think. <laughs> well, I can say at least this. The Steve, infamous. The infamous. Steve has taught uh, me and Garland a lot and been really patient with me and Garland over the years. And so we're excited to have him in uh, to join us today. And, and here's the way the question, we're talking about the question, why does our work matter to God? And here's one of the ways the word, the question got really concrete for me. Uh, I remember I was preaching a sermon several years ago, and I don't even remember why it came up in the sermon, but I made the point um, that for people who are working uh, in the marketplace in any job, and they're questioning, why is my job spiritually significant? The point I made was um, that they work in a place where they're non-believers and that that is a doorway to share the gospel with non-believers because they're in the world they're in. And a friend of all of ours, Tom Addington was in the room at the time and he very graciously and, and very communicated how much he was for me. He gave me the challenge. He said, Hey Nick, I think you need to give us more than that. You need to give us more than just, Hey, this job I'm putting 40, 50, 60 hours into it exists solely for the five minute conversation I might have with a non-believer. Right. Surely God cares more about my job than just evangelism. When it also comes up, and this is kind of setting the question up, you know, when working with lots of college students, young adults, uh, I think the the fear or the anxiety, especially that college students graduating have, and I hear this all the time, is do I have to go into full-time ministry for my job to matter for the kingdom? Mm -hmm. Like if I go and get a business job or if I go become a teacher or become a, a nurse or something, that's not spiritual. And so should I... Should I go into ministry and that's how I serve serve Jesus and that's the only way to serve Jesus. So, uh, yeah, those are the th that's some of the setup. And so, Steve, you're going to help us sort it all out. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that's uh, that's a lot to talk about. Yeah. That uh, fair questions, real questions, honest questions. Um, usually, they're coming from somebody who. Um, you know, they're trying to sort their faith. Their faith is probably going to be on an arise. Mm -hmm. Your faith is becoming more impactful and meaningful and genuine to them. And so they're trying to figure out basically what does that look like besides on Sunday, if you happen to be a Sunday church-based kind of a Christian yeah. or Saturday if you're a Saturday church Christ. But in other words, when I get at, when I get my faith outside the box of me doing the spiritual stuff I'm supposed to do, you know, whatever that looks like, going to church, doing my Bible study, being a part of a small group, uh, all that stuff. When I go and take that into the place that I spend most of my life, most of my meaningful wake, waking hours, which is my work setting, mm -hmm. um, we used to call it the Monday to Friday side of life, but that's definitely not true in today's world. But that's that's the idea, you sure. know. What does it look like? I mean, does God stop and wait for us to come back to the Sunday side of life? And he says, oh, man, good to have you back. <laughs> you know, now we can get back to worshiping. We can get back to doing things significant. We can get back to doing things meaningful. Or, or does God have the kind of intentionality, the kind of purpose, the kind of design, um, the kind of eternal meaning on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at 10, is that even possible? And so that's the bigger backdrop of the question. My answer would be short and long, yes. And <laughs> yes, you know. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I I, I, um, I remember the early on, early in my faith, I really wrestled with this hard. Um, 
because, you know, um, you mentioned Tom, and Tom and I uh, were business partners for years and years, and we used to laughingly talk about we were the guys that kind of had a Harvard business in one hand and a Greek New Testament in the other. Mm-hmm. But we really believed in both of them, and we really used both of them as a, as a meaningful path of life. Um, you have to ask the question, um, where does God's design um, and what does he intend to happen in a work setting? You know, and that, and to be honest, it po- it actually burst a bunch of questions from that. It it doesn't it doesn't give you a bunch of answers. It makes you ask a bunch more questions. Like for example, are all are all jobs equally capable of having divine meaning and order in them, or do I have to be the preacher, the musician, the worship guy, or do I have to be working at Dayspring selling Bibles? That mm-hmm. one that one works, okay. <laughs> Or can I work at Walmart? What if I work at Tyson? Can I be a policeman? What, like, what do any of those have any meaningful piece of God's design? That's kind of where the question comes up. My answer is short: is yes. So where do we get where do we get that? I mean, so I'm, I'm setting us up here. We have a a running joke that ultimately every conversation we have on this podcast is going to go back to Genesis one and two. So <laughs> well, that's true. Well, the running joke is going to still be true. That's that's. So, so I'm assuming still, that's where we're going. Where still, does that design come be from? True. It's still going to be true. Actually, it's really interesting because um, you if you start early, if you start mm-hmm. in Genesis, you've got to account for the fact that Adam and Eve were doing work before the fall. They were naming animals, they were tending the garden, they were tilling things, they were doing stuff. And so the notion of God being separated from work, and then suddenly work comes in, God gets involved, and so work is labeled this black eye, this bad thing, this enemy territory, this less than meaningful, it's the low priority of life, I'll do it if I have to, I'll work for a paycheck, I'm going to do this so I can do that. In other words, I'm going to go make a bunch of money so I can give to things that are meaningful, or I'm going to go do this so I can retire one day and then go do something significant with my life. Mm -hmm. All those notions are faulty because the notion that God was divorced from work or that he didn't, or he came into work after the fact, after the fall, that's not true. Whatever you think of family, you have to think of work. Hmm. You have to because both of those are pre-fall ordained uh, constructs. The, the concept of family and community was together before the fall. And the same thing happens with work. You know, that, that construct was designed. And so all of the stuff about work being, uh, now work is tainted because of the fall. Yeah. Work has some down dark sides because of the fall, like everything else does because of the fall. But work as being something that was an outcome from the fall, that's not true. I'm not working because of the fall. You know, the kinds of work I might be doing, the kinds of toil that work causes my heart, Mm -hmm. the evil part that I can lose myself in my work and my work can become my identity, all those kinds of bad things, that's part of the fall. But the notion of work being a design construct that God put in place so that I can discover Him, I can find my fulfillment, I can work out my gifts, um, I can establish great community. I can do something meaningful and creative with my hands. All that stuff, that's work. Hmm. That's really helpful, I think, to to make that connection that whatever we say about family, we have to say about work because it's not a big leap for me when I'm having dinner with my daughter and I see like this is a chance to engage her day to see that God cares about that. Yeah, that's great. That's not a leap. Yeah. So what kind of I don't know what kind of shift if I'm whatever my job is, if I'm pouring over sales data for soap 
and I have to tell a story for why soap sales are up this month from down last month. Yeah. What internal shift do I have to make to connect? I don't have a leap to see that with my daughter, but how do I see that as significant to yeah, God? Yeah, it's not an easy question. There's no question. It's, I mean, it's, it's not one of those one size fits all, mm-hmm. and all you got to do is just kind of read this little thing, and then you got it. It, it. it it requires some exploration on my part. It requires some, um, some risk and transparency on my part mm-hmm. for me to really figure out what it looks like for God to bring a, re- or for me to bring a redemptive edge or for God to bring himself into a more meaningful way of my work. Um, that, that's a challenge. Um, a couple of years ago, I wrote a book called The Gospel Goes to Work. And my intention in writing that, <clears throat> excuse me, was to create a model, a framework. And the framework said this. The framework said that there's a baseline and there's a boo sky. The baseline is something that's true for all people in any work, in any time. This is what the gospel looks like to go to work with anybody. True for you, true for you, true for you. It's not It's not dependent on who you are, which Enneagram number you are, mm-hmm. uh, where you happen to work. You work in a public company. You work in a private company. doesn't matter. There's some things that are common and true for all people. I used actually the story of Luke and John the Baptist which is a great biblical framework. We won't take our time here, but it's a great one to look at as the as the ex- expositional framework for it. But there's some baseline things, okay? And the baseline things would be, for example, every job, I, every job ought to bring for every person of faith. Every job ought to have something that it does for everybody. Like mm-hmm. I ought to have a certain sense of calling, mm-hmm. a certain sense of divine assignment, a certain sense of God's kind of wired me and designed me and gifted me, and, and I'm here. I'm not here just for the paycheck. I'm not here just to advance the, the, my, my personal cause or to give me a buzz when I close a sale or something. There's got to be some God elements around. There's some calling, okay? I've got to be doing my work at a certain level or whatever. I have to obviously be modeling morality at a certain mm-hmm. level. So, so there's some baseline things, okay? Um, but there's also a blue sky, and the blue sky is where I begin to really take the import of the gospel, all of the expectations of the gospel. You know, as we've all heard Tim Keller say a million times, the gospel changes everything. Yeah. Okay. Well, like just on Sunday, <laughs> just with my morality, like can the gospel really change an organizational culture? Can the gospel actually change the way we approach competition? Now, I might have to go back and rewire a bunch of the way I thought about things like competition, money, stewardship, advancement, roles, security, significance. I mean, I might have to go back and do a rewiring on some of those things, but that's what the gospel does, you know. Um, but as I bring those in, you know, one of the beautiful things in that Luke passage is you see, you know, you see these these individual people like a soldier, um, you know, literally a soldier mm-hmm. um, in that particular case, raises his hand and basically says, what do I do with this gospel? And John the Baptist gives him a very soldier-specific answer. Yeah. Okay. The tax collector raises his hand and says, what do I do with the gospel? And then the, John the Baptist gives him a very tax collector-specific example, answer. Mm-hmm. Not just this gr- this big, broad, everybody go do this. And so my my conviction is is that as somebody begins really long answer Nick I'm sorry no, this is perfect but 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 as somebody begins to really explore what it looks like for me as a physician mm-hmm. 
what does it look like for me to import the gospel, a redemptive edge into my practice? You know, what does it look like for the tax collector? What does it look like for the policeman? What does it look like for a construction worker, whatever, you know? And and as I begin to do that, it might not look the same for you yeah. or for somebody else. But what I'm doing there is this. I'm grabbing the Bible, and I'm bringing the spirit of the Bible, Holy Spirit, and I'm pulling that into my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, mm-hmm. Thursday. I'm looking at the spreadsheets. I'm doing this. And there's, and there's places everywhere in every business for me to literally bring a redemptive edge. Yeah, that's good. And I think as I, as I think about, you know, even the workplace today, and maybe, maybe there's some gaps in this thinking, but it seems like any job that anyone takes on in some sense, there's people on the other side of that job. Yes. Um, if you're a physician, if you're a pilot, if you are working logistics on delivering food to grocery stores across America, on the end of what you're doing, there's a human being. And it seems to me like that's a pretty valuable thing. If you can connect your job to, to people, even yeah. if it's kind of abstract, even if you don't get to see the people that are receiving your work, it seems to me like that's another place that maybe the gospel is going to intersect as a starting point is that my job has some humans that are affected by what I do. Yeah, no question. There's always a people factor. I mean, you, you get to answer the question. If you really are, if you're, if you're going to dive into the deep end of this conversation, you get to ask and try to answer some questions like, what, what brings the redemptive edge to any workplace? Or what makes any, any work redemptive? Mm-hmm. You know, is it the spiritual vitality of the leader and people? Maybe, maybe. Is it the product that you're producing? Mm-hmm. Maybe. You know, I mean, I, I guarantee you, if you're doing water in the desert or in the middle of Africa, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's it. Now, if you have a, a, a broad understanding of the gospel, you know, and, and a, a four-story view of the gospel or whatever, then that's, there's some redemptive elements around that. I'm not saying it's salvific, mm-hmm. but I'm saying it's redemptive. Yeah. It's, re- it's, re- it's creative restorative for sure. Okay. Um, so what brings it? It could be the spiritual vitality. It could be the product. It could be the culture. It could be what you, what you do with your money. It could be all kinds of things. And so there's ways for people to figure out how to bring redemptive things to their job. Um, I know of a guy who owns a huge bunch of car dealerships in different, somewhere else not here. And when they decided uh, as an organization, as a family, to bring the redemptive edge, they began to ask hard questions. And one of the things they had to answer is they felt like that the transparency was not as high as it needed to be. They felt like that there was always this notion. Now, I'm not making a judgment on all car dealerships. Sure. I'm giving you an example. Okay? <laughs> yeah. um, but they, they felt like that in their business, just in their business, that there was always the, the the table was always stacked for the 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 dealer mm-hmm. to have all these deals that they could do internally where they made their money the way they bought the cars from the manufacturer mm-hmm. the way they got the products discounted and so there was always this he felt like they were always not being truthful with people they were always like even when you do the best deal and you go to the sales manager and all that stuff he said we were always still making tons of money so he said we started a one price transparency this was a long time ago, way before it's common now. Mm-hmm. And he said, basically, we just said to somebody, hey, listen, we're making this much money. This is how much it's going to cost you, and that's it. Every every deal, you know. And so that that's an, a, a small example, but that was one way that he said, we're going to bring, why? Because truth and honesty are redemptive qualities. Those are qualities. Yeah. And so 
it, they didn't have Bible verses hanging everywhere. They didn't try to convert people when they bought a car. They didn't, you know, stuff tracks down in the middle of the thing <laughs> if, they, if, they, if they still exist or whatever. But the redemptive question is real. It's hard. Uh, it requires some work. Yeah. Um, it will bring some failure. Um, but it requires some imagination is the hard part. And most people really don't want to put the imagination into the, the gospel conversation like it requires. And what a, what a fun view of what our church communities could be if those imaginative conversations were the things we were talking about in our small groups. Oh, yeah, totally. If, like, totally. suddenly you're bringing that to the table. Totally. Get a, get a, group, of, get a group of guys who are and, uh, guys and gals. I mean, when I say guys, I always mean guys and the gals. The generic, but yeah. yeah. Get, get a group of folks together who all work at Walmart, um, and they all work in the same kind of space at Walmart, and get them together and ask, and ask the question, what could it look like? What would it look like for us to bring a tighter, sharper, redemptive edge to our workspace? And, and you know where we always start? We always start with the baseline, which is fine. That's fair. We start there. We start there by moral modeling. Mm-hmm. You know, let's don't be crazy people. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's try to be semi-sane, okay? Then we let's don't steal money. You know, let's don't, let's don't tell lies. Let's do, yeah. and, then we, and then we do a little evangelism maybe, and that's the, that's the baseline. I mean, my whole deal is great. Get to the blue sky. Get yeah. on up. Get on up and try to be really aggressive with figuring that out, you know. Mm. And 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 then let doctors do that, and let you know, let construction folks do that. And that's and when that happens, I will say this. Uh, let me let me make sure I make this point. I found and and I'm I'm I've been around a while. Um, I found that when when people of faith begin to do this, their faith is um, it's activated. Mm and animated in a way that they never imagined it would be. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to, to downplay the role of the local church sure. at all. But what I am saying is, I remember one day I was having breakfast with a guy named Bill Pollard. He was related to, to Don Sodequist, who is an icon in Northwest Arkansas. And uh, actually, Tom and I were together, and we were in, up in Chicago and he's the guy that was the CEO of Service Master and built that company and all that. We were having breakfast with him one morning. I remember he said, he said, you know, Steve, he said, I I have my faith has grown more, been challenged more, and matured more uh easily in my work setting than all the Bible studies, all the church services. And this was a great man of faith. Because he because he said, I'm bringing it to bear on Tuesday and on yeah. Thursday. And I, and I think that that really does happen. I've watched that happen over and over. You have somebody, and they begin to try to bring faith to bear into their work. Their faith either holds up or, or it, it starts getting some juice. Hmm. It starts getting animated. And it's an amazing experience for people. It's almost like God made us for it. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's the darndest thing, Nick. Back to Genesis. <laughs> Back to Genesis. Steve, it's been so helpful. I really appreciate you coming and chatting with us and bringing some some clarity to oh, questions our people are asking. Uh, thanks for letting me ramble. I hope there's at least one small nugget somewhere in there most, that can help. Most certainly. Well, thanks, Steve. And uh, thank you for listening to that okay. at Curiosity. All right, man. Thank you for listening to Out of Curiosity. As we discussed, does God care about my job? We encourage you to look into this more in Genesis 1 and 2, Ephesians 4, 25 through 28, and 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12. The Gospel Goes to Work by Steve Graves and Every Good Endeavor by Tim Keller. If you want to send in a question or contact us, go to oocuriosity.com and follow us on Instagram at oocuriosity. Be sure to subscribe to keep up with future episodes.